Do you feel like you're struggling with your sense of purpose or you're just struggling in life? Maybe in your leadership, your family, uh, your business. I think when that happens, when we see that, that happening, I think one of the most important things we can do is to focus on our relationships. Relationships are key to life, to being successful in life. And it's those relationships that will actually help us succeed. That's why they're so important. I mean, we were made for relationships. We were built to be in community as humans. We need one another. We can't do this alone or by ourselves. We need relationships. They are so important. And speaking of important things, if you're new here, I'm Charles. I'm one of the pastors here at CT, and I'm so glad that you're joining us online. If you would head over to our website, ctbrandon.com, and click I'm new and give us a bit of info, we can connect with you because we would really like to get to know you and get in touch and just see if there's anything we can pray for you for. Uh, I'll leave, there's a link down in the description that you can click on. And thank you so much for being here. We've been journeying through the book of Mark. The book of Mark is essentially a story, a letter that was written of a whole bunch of other little stories, all recorded by this guy, Mark, who heard it from Peter, and Peter witnessed Jesus saying and doing all of these things. He was actually one of Jesus's closest disciples, who was actually in the story that Pastor Michael talked about last week, the transfiguration, where Jesus goes up a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and uh, this amazing encounter with God happens where Jesus' clothes become super bright white and he's shining and Moses and Elijah show up, uh, which actually they've been dead for hundreds of years. And uh, it's amazing story. And then Jesus comes down the mountain, which is where we begin today's story which is kind of interesting of how similar it is to another story in the book of Exodus in chapter 32, where Moses, who has led the Israelites out of Egypt, they've been there for about 400 years in captivity, and they're at Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God. So Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God uh, on a mountain. I said that, sorry. Uh, And Jesus goes up a mountain. And Jesus meets God there. Moses meets God. Jesus comes down the mountain to this commotion. Moses comes down the mountain to a commotion. In Moses's case, Aaron had, at the demand of the people, uh, had made a golden calf to worship. Yeah, they were worshiping a golden baby cow. And Moses goes like, what's going on? And Aaron replies, which I I think his reply is pretty funny. It's not funny, but it is funny because it reminds me of the really dumb excuses and lies that I would tell my parents. And I must have really thought they were dumb, um, just based on how dumb my lies were. And in this case, it seems that Aaron seems to think the same of Moses because he's like, well, uh, I'm just doing what the people told me to do. I took this gold they forced on me. I threw it in the fire and out came this golden baby cow. Uh, No, that's not what really happened. I can only imagine the sigh that Moses let out. And in the case of our story today, Jesus comes the mount, down the mountain to a commotion, and let's, let's read it together. We can find it in Mark chapter 9, 
and it starts at verse uh, 14. And I'll have the words up on the screen so you can read along. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. Um, When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead, and a murmur ran through the crowd as people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. So this commotion was a little bit different than Moses's. There was no golden calf, uh, golden baby cow. But there was a commotion. The disciples couldn't do what the father so desperately had wanted. And now they were arguing with the Pharisees. So there's three things going on here. There's the interaction of the disciples and the teachers of the law. There's the interaction of Jesus and the Father. And then there's the interaction of Jesus and the boy. So I want to break them down and go through the three of them. And in each one, we see the importance of relationships and something that I think we can learn about relationships. As a person of faith, I really believe that my most important relationship is with Jesus. And as I focus on that, everything else kind of just falls into place. And this is one of the keys that Jesus had been trying to teach his disciples. But here we see they couldn't do what the Father had asked, cast the evil spirit out. And then they later asked Jesus, and Jesus replies, only by prayer. And what is prayer? Prayer is a spiritual discipline that grows our relationship with Jesus. Jesus essentially was telling them, listen, you guys were trying it your way, relying on yourselves, but I want you to rely on me. And so I think when we put our relationship with Jesus first and rely on Jesus, everything else seems to fall into place. So relationships require us to be vulnerable, to be trusting, and not only in our relationship with Jesus, but our relationship with other humans on this planet.
Even when we know that there might be pain, there might be hurt, we still have to trust. Then there's Jesus and this father. And this father is, is beside himself. Any other father would be exactly the same way. I mean, as a dad, I would do whatever it takes to help my child. And I, this father is doing the exact same. And Jesus sees this. And I find it interesting that Jesus um, pauses everything here for a moment and focuses on, on the dad. Like there's the boy, the demon-possessed boy, writhing around, but yet Jesus pauses everything and focuses in on the dad. I think that's because he saw his brokenness. He saw his desperation. He saw his lack of hope. And one of the main reasons Jesus came and the main message behind Jesus is a message of hope. And so Jesus wanted this dad to see that hope. Often we th there are people um, that teach that Jesus's response, oh, you faithless people, how long do I got to live with you, was directed at the dad. And, and that's not true. We can see that in how the dad responds to Jesus. He doesn't respond like he's just been chastised or corrected or, or dismissed. No, Jesus was correcting the disciples and quite possibly the Pharisees. Um, often there are people who we would call maybe like faith healers, people who um, believe that healing is real. I believe so. But then they tack on this thing of saying, if you don't have enough faith, you're not going to get your miracle. And they say, that's why you didn't get your miracle. Well, that's wrong. And they use this passage to try and back that up. But that's not who Jesus was talking to. Jesus was not talking about the boy, and Jesus was not even talking to the dad. He was talking to the disciples and quite possibly even the Pharisees or teachers of the law, not, not the boy or the dad. So, so that, if anyone ever tells you that, I am so sorry. It's not true. Please don't believe that lie. And I, I hope if you have been told that, um, I hope that in this moment you can take that burden off yourself because it is not because of that. It is not because you didn't have faith. That has nothing to do with it. And so this dad was hopeless and Jesus paused and he turned to him and asked the dad, you know, how long has this been going on? And has this conversation. I truly believe because Jesus was trying to draw out the burdens that this dad was carrying, this burden of unbelief, of hopelessness. And Jesus got him to the point where he could be vulnerable, as we see in his response, because Jesus goes, if I can? Like, he's like, have mercy on us, heal him if you can. And Jesus goes, if I can. Often people might think you should read that as Jesus going, if I can. But no, there was no attitude here. I honestly believe it was full of compassion because of what he saw in the dad. And so, if I can, anything is possible to those who believe. And Jesus was drawing out this burden of unbelief that this dad was carrying of hopelessness. And he quickly now has recognized that and he can see the light that is standing in front of him, this light, this ray of hope, and that is Jesus. And he cries out, says, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. See, in relationships, we need to be vulnerable and open, and we need to recognize we don't have everything. Now, our friends aren't Jesus. We can't expect 
the same out of them as Jesus. Our relationships in the workplace, they aren't Jesus. Nobody can replace Jesus. But the principle applies to our relationships, that we need to rely on others. We need to be vulnerable with those that we trust. And we need to recognize we don't have it all within us. We need to do it in community. And so Jesus then turns his attention to the boy. Now, this is where I'm going to pause because I know you've been maybe thinking, what? Demon-possessed boy? Like, whoa, what is this? And no, it's not some M. Night Shyamalan movie and it's not some creepy horror movie. No, it, it's quite scary sounding, a demon-possessed boy. But no, that, that's not the same. Those movies have done so much disservice to this idea of demons in the spirit realm. Um, I believe that the spirit realm is, is real. If you believe what's written in the Bible about it, it's uh, basically uh, this realm that we can't see with our physical eyes, and in there we there are demons and the devil who he met way long time ago, um, as we read through scripture, was kicked out of heaven because he was prideful and he rallied all these other angels against God and the other angels. There's this big battle. I mean, it's crazy. It's a, an amazing story to think about, but he was kicked out of heaven and now he roams here. So, so before we get all like, whoa, the devil's out to get me, Let's just pause for a moment, and I want to tell you three really important things when it comes to the spirit realm, comes to this idea of spiritual oppression or possession. Number one, anything that surrounds itself with fear is not a good teaching about it. There are so much bad teaching out there, unfortunately, and I'm really sorry if you've been subjected to that. A lot of it is spiritually abusive. But if it surrounds itself with fear or is it somehow motivated by fear, it's wrong. Please, please don't listen to it. It's not true. It's not right. Uh, and then secondly, if it thinks like that the devil or demons are under every rock and you got to like walk around on eggshells, that's also not true. That's also not what you need to believe. The devil is not omnipresent. The devil is a created being. He is limited to the space that he's in. God is omnipresent. God can be everywhere all at once all the time. The devil and the demons cannot be. Uh, so they are not under every rock. And I'm sorry that there are people out there that teach that. And then the third thing is, is like, it's not just like so simple to just become demon-possessed. So you don't need to worry about that. Um, there are some other really great teachings about that, uh, about the spirit realm and stuff. Um, but if anything follows those three, please disregard it. And so this boy is demon-possessed. It's not necessarily something we see a whole lot of here in North America. There are parts and stories I'm sure maybe you've heard if you've been in the church world for any amount of time, and I believe they are real. Um, and there are other places in the world where it seems to be more prevalent. Why that is, I don't know, um, but that's the reality of it. And so in this moment, though, this boy is being completely controlled by this demonic spirit. And Jesus now turns his attention to that boy and casts the spirit out of him. And so I know I said there was three things, but here's the fourth one. Here's actually a really great filter. If a teaching about this kind of subject involves freedom, 
and involves the power of Jesus, that's a good one. But if it has fear or the devil's under every rock or that you got to be super scared, you're going to get possessed just by listening to the wrong music, maybe like a Black Sabbath album or something like that, those aren't right. But if it centers itself around Jesus, that's a good start. And here Jesus casts the spirit out and the crowd goes, oh no, because the boy looks dead. And he picks the boy up by the hand. You see, often we get ourselves into situations, problems, maybe similar to this boy. Maybe he did something, maybe he didn't. I don't know. It doesn't say. But we get ourselves in these situations and we need to recognize we need help. We need help. And so when we're struggling in our family, we're struggling with our business, our leadership, our own sense of purpose, that's when I think we need to turn to our relationships around us and lean on other people. And that's why I think being part of a small group is so important. Small groups will be starting up again here at CT, starting up September, October. There'll be more information coming. I really encourage you to join a small group if you haven't before. It's just a a small group of people that get together around a, a certain theme and just want to get to know one another, help one another, pray for one another. It's it's very casual and relaxed. Uh, there's no pressure. And so I encourage you to join one. Our relationships are so important. And relationships that are respectful, as you see with Jesus, he was very, very respectful to the boy and to the dad. Compassionate. Jesus was mo- so motivated by compassion to focus in on this dad because he was carrying that burden, that unbelief that he had put upon himself that he that wasn't his to carry. And I'm sure he is also carrying the burden of how do I fix my child this situation? And uh, as a parent, we, we've been there when our child is sick or in a situation we, we seem so helpless with. We, we think we have to fix it, that it, it, or maybe we've done something wrong. Well, those aren't our burdens to carry, and Jesus has compassion. So today, if you have found yourself in any one of these situations that we've talked about today, or maybe you've been listening and you feel in your heart that like some of the things I've been sharing, yeah, that's true. And, and I would actually like to know this Jesus, to start a faith journey or take this next step on my faith journey with Jesus. I would like to pray a prayer together in a moment. And if you would pray it along with me, um, there's no special words to it. It's just simply admitting that we've done wrong, recognizing that Jesus is real and who he is, and that he is the person who we are going to commit our lives to follow to our very best. So dear Jesus, Please forgive me for the sins I've committed, the wrong I've done. Please help me to do the right things. I recognize you as my Lord and Savior. I recognize you as Jesus, who I will try my very best to follow to the best of my abilities. And please help me in this. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you prayed that prayer, I really encourage you to connect with us. We would love to help you on your faith journey. Um, just go to ctbrandon.com and click on the I'm New tab where there's contact information there as well. We would really love to connect with you. And uh, make sure to stick around because in a few moments, uh, we're going to talk to you about some exciting things happening here at CT. Thank you so much for joining us today and have a wonderful week.